Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and Beaches Vacation.com. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. So it goes from the laundry room to a fucking studio. And and I have to say, your staff. I mean, I've worked on a lot of TV shows. Uh, all right, not a lot. I'm like acting like an asshole. I've worked on a number of television shows. The camaraderie, the the feeling of family, you know, the show always takes on the personality of the star, you know, and I've done so many shows where like this person is full of themselves and it's so obvious. You can tell because the staff is like nervous or scared or blah, blah. And it looked like like it was family. Was that is that the way it was? I mean, Oh yeah, I mean, it it comes from like the how when I started to kind of assemble the team. So I didn't know anything about television. So we right. started to interview people. So when I got my TV show, what I did was trying to hire people with experience. Right. So I hired people with experience, and I fired them all after one month because they they didn't have it in them to try to do something new. New. They wanted to do something the same, the same way. Same yeah. Thing. And I didn't like that. So I, I, I wanted to come and so whenever I come and I wanted to make them, Hey, watch John Stewart, watch the Colbert report. This is how, this is what I want right. the show to be like. And they were like, they was just, uh, we want to do the same thing. So I fired all of them and I hired people who had absolutely no experience in media. I had, I hired fresh graduates, people in college, people who were engineers and lawyers and people, who, but they had a good sense of humor and they were more aware about what is it like to do a political satire show. Right. And I hired all of us. So all of us were newbies. So we were all of these people that kind of like so coming. Great. I, 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 knew, I, I knew nothing about television and they knew nothing about television, but all we had was one thing is passion. We right. had passion about doing something new and it was, a trial and error every week. A trial and error every show, every episode, and it was wonderful because we wanted we wanted to create something that we would like to watch. So this that's is how we so that. brilliant. That is so brilliant. It was like, no, we're not. We're doing something new, which means not you. You know, when you first started the show, uh, the very beginning, what was it? Forty percent of the population was watching. No, no. no. No, the first year of the show, it was a small show. So that my first TV show, my first TV year, I, it was a small show on a recorded studio and we didn't have enough budget or money to right. do the daily show version. We do, we don't, we did, we want kind of like did a kind of a watered down, very low budget show. Yeah. And then after the first season, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do a live show with live audience, right. yes. live yes. theater. And people told me like, you can't do that. Nobody can do that. That right. is like something uh, that is different. Nobody does that in Egypt. Why right. do you want to do something different? So, no, I want to do like the Daily Show. So that I had like um, in between seasons, I went to the United States and I shadowed the John Stewart team. 
Yep. And I, it was interesting because I didn't know he knew about me. His team knew about me. So I was like, you know, shadowing them. And then I, I, all I wanted from that is just to have a picture with him. That's, I said, if I have a picture with him, I, I, I don't know. I don't want anything else. But then I was, as I was there, I find that his assistant coming to me and like, like John wants to meet with you. So I went in and I thought it would be a kind of like a five minutes meet and greet. It turned out to be like a 90 minutes conversation. Wow. I sat in his office and we just talked about everything. And I, and I didn't realize that like he knew about me. And I think I kind of had, I contributed in that because when, when, when things like the daily beast or like, you know, the New York times was starting to interview me at the beginning of the revolution, I kind of plugged John Stewart name in every single interview. Right. Yeah. I want to be like John. I watch right. John. I eat him three times a, a day. You know, it's, right. like, it's like John, 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 John. So, 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 and it worked because the first ever headline of a, of an English publication about me was the daily beach and it read the John Stewart of the nine. Right, right, right. Yes, I made it. So he, he knew about me. So after this conversation, I was like, I was over the moon. It's like, it couldn't be get, it couldn't get better. Then after like half an hour, his assistant came to me and said, like, John is asking me, would you like to be on his show? I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) So on the show, and he asked me on the show, what do you want to do with the show? And I said, like in a year from now, I want to be on a live show having a theater like you and life audience like you. And right. I want you to be proud of me. And a year later, he came on my show. Yes. He came yes. And he came to my theater and that was the validation. And he, people can see it on YouTube. When he appeared on stage, the standing ovation that he has received, right. people continued to clap for him for two minutes. He said, I couldn't imagine that one day, a short Jewish guy from Jersey would be <laughs> received like this in the middle of Cairo. And for me, that is the validation to be right. on the show of your idol on one thing, but to host him on your show on something else. For yeah. me, I said, I told my teams like, guys, if I die now, if I die today, no, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. And your mother was I'm like, done. now you have four more heart surgeries to do. <laughs> you know, I started with John. Um, we started and I, I'm also from New Jersey and I've known him. He's such he's a so smart and so talented. He's, he's, he's genuine. genuine. Yeah, that's the word, genuine. And I just want to say that John, I don't know, uh, during an award show, called himself the Bassam Youssef of America. America. So he's the nicest. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's just, he's, he's all good. The show goes to the big studio. And, and I have to say, I mean, I've been doing stand up since I'm 19 years old and I'm, I'm 29 now. I've been doing stand up <laughs> since I'm 19. So I, 1982 was the first, Oh God, please kill me. Yeah. You're, 1982. You were, you were just like five years at that time. Oh, I love you so much. And those eyes, I don't know where the fuck you got those eyes, but they're really, well, I can't. Recessive genes, recessive genes, recessive But genes. they're fucking, un, they are just otherworldly, those eyes. Like you can't, I, it's, all right. Anyway, and I'm gay and I can't stop staring at your fucking eyes. Um, <laughs> so the show goes into the big studio and the production value, it looks, the production value is amazing. Everything is fucking great. And you are, first of all, did you feel any insecurity performance wise? Like, cause you know, I've been doing standup forever. 
I feel so comfortable in front of an audience. Did you feel any weirdness? Every single second. Really? And, uh, I, I, I tell people, I want, I tell people, I refer them to the first ever episode on life, on, on the life show when we had life here. And I tell people, I want you to notice how I looked like at the beginning of the show. And I looked and how I looked like as I was signing off and say, telling people goodbye. Right. I was sweating. I mean, really? my hair, like my hair kind of like fell down because it was so wet and you can see sweat going through my shirt. Oh, that's I so was funny. sweating. I was nervous. I mean, I mean, I performed, people were laughing their asses off. It was crazy. It was great. But I was, I was so nervous and I was sweating like crazy. I was sweating like crazy and I had to, to change shirts in between. Oh, well, that's so cute. <laughs> You're so adorable. All right. So after that first show in the big studio and you become this here, people are just, you know, the adoration, the it's incredible. I don't think at any moment you believed it. Like, uh, you know, that's, and that was what made you so can made you continue on. Like you never believe like here in America, everyone believes they're pressed like, Oh yeah. You know, and that's the fucking kiss of death here. You are, your humility was so apparent, you know, that you were so humble and you didn't believe any of the shit. Like that's pretty amazing. and I had to, and I, and I, and I came to realize there is a name for it. The imposter syndrome. Right. So I imposter. Came realize, yeah. I, I came to realize the term about, uh, you know, the term imposter syndrome the hard way. Right. And I was like speaking, when I was speaking to you, I said, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the imposter syndrome. I was like, really? So I had to look it up. It's like, oh my God, yes. I do not really believe that I am not that, that big. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of the thing, when people came to take pictures of me, I was like weird, not because I was arrogant, but I said, why are you taking pictures right, of right, me? Right, 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 right. And because I, all my life, I trained to be something else, a doctor. I never trained to be funny. I never trained right. to be a stand-up comedian. I never trained to be a TV host. And then suddenly I'm big. So inside it's like, I'm not deserving. I'm not deserving of this. This is something that I do not deserve. Why am I here? And when will this be over? Right. And when I will be exposed to the untalented right. fuck I am. Right. When are they going to figure it out? What did when it I feel like? When I figure out that I'm not that great. Yeah. Oh, I, I was, I was, I was like, feel like, feeling like small and, and unfunny the whole time. I, but, I, I, by the way, I never watch my shows. Oh, I'm the same way. Cause I, I would be like, I couldn't do it. That's interesting that you didn't watch it. And, you sh- and, yeah. and, 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 and doesn't your voice drive you crazy? Oh, I can't. I, obviously it's driving you crazy too, but I hate it. No, I, can't. No. I hate it. I, 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 I never, I never rewatch my, my, my interviews or rehear them because I, I, they, they, I, I my voice dri- right. like is annoying. I want to fucking kill myself. Like, it, people are yeah. like, oh, you did an episode of this. I'm, no, I'm not watching. Like, I do not like, oh, it makes me sick. What did it feel like to get your first laugh, your first laugh in front of a live audience? I could not believe that would be possible. Because you haven't said like, um, we're rehearsing, we're rehearsing, we're rehearsing the first episode. And after a while, after you rehearse, you tell people, is that funny? You think people laugh? Yeah, yeah. I come in. Coming in, I say, I, 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 I drop the first joke and the, and the, the whole theater erupts in laughter. 
And I, and I think if you even watch the video, I'm, I'm slightly taken aback with the first joke. It's like, Ooh, we're doing this now. Right. <laughs> no, because I remember my first laugh too. And it's like, you're chasing that forever. They're nothing compared, yes. you know, you just, and you, how long before you could read an audience? How long before you were? It's uh, oh, you never stop. Yeah. Reading an audience. You never it's stop. Just, you it's, think you can, but you don't. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to be like jumping ahead, but like uh, later in the day, you'll know that like I left Egypt, I escaped Egypt and I came in America. Now you, you said, you're telling me that I'm brave because of what, of what I did in Egypt. No, that could not be compared to what I had to do through, go through in America. Because I think what is really brave and stupid in the same time is trying to do stand up in a language that is not. Yes. Stupid. So I did stand up in America and now I'm doing, now I have a tour in America. But when I started that two and a half years ago, I was dying inside of myself every single moment on stage at holding a mic, trying to do stand up in English to an audience that doesn't know me. Right. And I think that is the, the most daring thing I did. That is much more than in Egypt. You can, I could lie on my language on my own language. Right. I can, I can wing it, but yeah, I can yeah, yeah. wing it here in America that because people will eat you alive because that is, that's not your language. Right. And I had to relearn everything. I had to Re rewire my brain about what does it mean to be funny? What are the rhythm? You're a stand-up comedian and you know, you can say a joke and it could be the funniest joke ever. And you can mess it up if you delivered it in the wrong way. Oh, right. So one syllable, do... one fucking syllable. So, or, or if the timing is not right. Yeah. Or if you pause you for, fast, yeah. Or, if you, or, if you, or if the pause is too long or too short. Right. So I had to go into open mics in comedy clubs and I had to learn the hard way what does it mean to be funny or not? And sometimes I would go even to a comedy show and I would kill it. And then I would, for example, go to a corporate event and do the same routine and I would bomb. So oh, bad. please. Welcome to my world. There, because yeah. you know why, Bossom? It's like when they come to you, you, you know, that's your, that's your turf. But when you go to them, when you go to a corporate, the corporate gigs suck because they're like, all right, come on. Yeah. And they're like in those, like, and they're like in these like uh, hotel rooms with yeah. the big 10 seaters and people are doing it in a buffet. And it's like, what the fuck I'm doing? I know. <laughs> and they think they're so fucking great because they have money. And it's like, fuck you. You fucking try this for five fucking minutes, asshole. Okay. Sorry. I was yes. getting a little jersey on you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 
60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50, to get... 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So the show, do you hear what I'm listening to? No. It's the Mitzvah Mobile. Oh, what's Drop. the Mitzvah Mobile? It's some fucking... Oh my God! It's like some I know truck. The I, I I know the mitzvah, but like, is yeah. there a truck? It's it's that? like these these Lubavitch or these Hasidic Jews. I'm just gonna ring the bell a hundred times while I tell the story. Uh, and they 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 are singing and they stop and they they'll park and they'll be like, "Are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? Do you have Shabbos candles?" But I'm like, "Get the fuck away! Am I Jewish? Look at my fucking face! Am I Jewish?" Um, <laughs> and you're on the Upper West Side, like every. Everyone here is Jewish, okay? So, well, well I, I have a lot of uh, connections with Jewish history because you know when I escaped from Egypt, you know I escaped from Egypt. I, I always say like you know I, uh, I, I, I have the, I also had to experience Exodus, right? Egypt. And uh, when oh, I that's true. Airport, yes, and 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 when I escaped from uh, when I as an Arab when I go through airport security, I feel I'm one of the chosen ones. And uh, when I, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's and then hilarious. I, I know. And then when I came to when I traveled, when I came here, I took I took United Airlines, which took forty years. So exactly like <laughs> <laughs> you see how much we're connected. Oh my god, that's so funny. Uh, I I you know what happened when we when we when we settled in in Los Angeles. We settled in Fairfax, which is a very very oh my Jewish god, Jewy Jewy Jew Jew. Yeah. And and the thing is, like that was like my, my wife is half Palestinian, yeah, half Palestinian, half half Egyptian, and she chose like, listen, me, we might be at war with them in the Middle East, but here we go to the Jewish neighborhoods because it is the safest neighborhoods, and they have kosher food, halal food. So yes. let's settle here. Let's forget. Let's forget our 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 problems in the Middle East, and we come yeah. here. We don't have to to fight with them, but we're gonna fight all over Hamas because Hamas that shit is Palestinian. <laughs> you you can take the land. But you cannot but you fucking take, take the hummus. <laughs> you can't take the fucking hummus. This Sabra shit hummus. And it's like, no, it's not Jewish. Oh my God, the worst. The fucking worst. Okay. Yeah. 
So, all right. So the show becomes this fucking, I mean, people watching it in the streets. It's just, it, it becomes so much bigger. It's, it was, it's, it's, like, it's like, it was, it was like the Super Bowl Sunday every Friday. Right. That is like how it is. Like life stopped in Egypt. People watch it. And I have to say like one day people like send me a video on a coffee shop in Egypt, there were clashes between the security forces and the people because there was like a very turmoil part. And then when the show started, people took a break and the security forces and the ambulance and the people kind of like took a break, watched the show and then continued clashes afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking hilarious. Uh, Okay, guys, we're going to stop fighting right now. Yeah, we're gonna watch, watch the show, show, and then we're gonna, we, then we gonna, we gonna, we gonna discuss it peacefully afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you get a new regime in Egypt, CC. Yeah. No, so no, no. Before that, no, no. Right, Under right. the Islamists, it was because I had a warrant for my arrest. We were like doing the, our shit in the, in the in the in the theater, right? And we're watching, and then suddenly I'm in the news. There's a warrant for my arrest. I have to go to the general prosecutor or prosecutor, right. whatever you you want to call him. And then I had to be uh, led into this interrogation room. And it was funny because the officers who kind of like escorted me into the room, like they had to take selfies with me for their kids <laughs> because they love the show so much. And hey, listen, and, and, um, and, yeah. yeah, I was like, can you please? And, and I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, can you smile? Why aren't you not smiling? It's like, obviously I'm not in a position that I'm smiling. I got yeah. to be interrogated. So I go in and the general prosecutor kind of like puts me on the chair and you know, they were nice and everything, but it was fine. And I said like, why, why am I here? I said like, well, do you have to come here so we can, you can explain your jokes to us. And it's like, it's the worst thing. It's like, I said, is this my torture? Because this is the worst thing that you can put in a comedian. <laughs> and for six hours, six hours, the interrogation went and I had to explain, they, they explained the jokes for them. And it was, uh, the, and, and people said, what is the worst thing that we had to go through? I said, the worst thing is that when they were reading back my jokes, half of them were not that funny. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, when I went out on bail and went back and I fired half of my staff, I was like, guys, you're not good. It's like, a, I can't, I can't be embarrassed in an interrogation <laughs> like this anymore. You know, it's so the next, funny. The next time I go, uh, they will be like reading my jokes to me and I'm going to be laughing their ass off. That didn't happen today. That's so incredible because, you know, the, the thing, that that rule that people always like, if I have to explain it to you, then it's not funny, you know, yes. but oh my God. Cause Lenny, Lenny had the same thing in court, you know, where they were reading, the judge was reading his fucking jokes or, um, or the, the, the lawyers were reading his jokes, which was so great. Cause they, you know, they were all filled with, you know, curses and all it, you know, they're putting in the, and did you ever in, in that interrogation say, well, you know, you got to kind of put an accent on the blank and then it'll be no, funny. No, no, no. It was different. It was like, uh, what did you mean by this joke? Right. And I would say nothing. So he would say, so why did the people laugh? And I said, why don't you go ask them? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is torture. What, yeah, uh, can you please torture. explain? Shut the, all right. So then. Um, or maybe can I have someone like this, like maybe you should have like added something to this joke, you know, I would, right. and then suddenly it's a writer's room and, and, so, <laughs> and it, it, it was crazy. Yeah. So that was under the Islamists. So the Islamists were removed, you know, right. was like a military coup. And I thought I was invincible. Yay. The Islamists went, but then the military came in 
Right. And they, they started doing the same shit, you know, fascism, but with a military flavor. Right. Right. And, uh, and I spoke against them and I did a one show, one episode and I was canceled under the military. And then I stayed for another, for like unemployed for four months. And I went to another network and then they continued to harass me. And then, you know, scramble the signal, the satellite. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And they canceled me again. And it was interesting how the same people who loved me and adored me being that, that I was like making fun of the Islamists turned against me when I was making fun of the military. Right. And I told them, guys, I'm, I'm a satirist. I'm an equal opportunity offender. That's my yeah. job. And uh, yeah, so that didn't go well. And I ended up having to escape uh, after all of that coming to America. And I came to America as Trump becoming president. And I was, oh, like, God. Fuck my, I was like, fuck my life. I think I have jinxed America. It's kind of like, and I was telling people, guys, I left the dictatorship back home and I came here just in time as you guys starting your own. What the fuck is wrong with you? People don't, you must have such an incredible perspective on that because, you know, it's so funny. He's so, he is a dictator. I mean, and, you know, you talk about, you know, Morsi leaves and then it's CC is like, you're like, oh, good. It's going to be CC. But then he loves the middle military. He loves the friggin' military. And so Trump is the same exact way, loving that, that you know, that yeah. pageantry. And I, the mi- yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think Trump has always been looking at the Middle East with a sense of envy. It's like, why can't right. I just like oppress people? I mean, why do I have people like on my back asking me about my taxes, about what I've said? Why can't I just like put them in jail? And I feel when he was talking to CC or other kids, like, Tell me how you do it. Yeah, right, right, right. What's your secret ingredient? How can I just like oppress people without being, you know, questioned? So I I think it's the first time in history where an American president looked up for an Egyptian president. Oh, absolutely. And the Russian president. I mean, yeah. It's yeah, he I mean, and I, 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 Korea. Yeah, when you remember when when he went back Korea. north from North Korea, north Korea and he, yeah. oh, I was joking. No, he was he wasn't joking. Right. He was like, it's like, isn't it cool to have a president for life? He wasn't joking. He loves to be there and adored and kind of like have. And here's the thing. Uh, speaking about like this and comedy, a lot of people ask me, what's the worst thing that Trump has done? And you can like speak volumes about this. But I tell you what was the one thing that kind of upset me is when for the first time in history for four years, he boycotted the, the White, White House, House Correspondence Center. That, that for me Same. Is, a deal, is a deal breaker. That's, that, that tells you any, everything you need to know about this president. Yeah? Because we had bad president in, 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 in America. I mean, yes, as a liberal, as a, as a Democrat, as someone who's leaning towards the left, I can say the worst thing about like Reagan or George W. Bush right. or whatever, but they never, they knew that this is part. This is of, part of our like, culture. It's our yes, culture. And, and, I mean, not a single American president has missed a White House correspondent dinner except Reagan. And he was shot. Right. And he's still called in from the hospital. Right. Because this is, it doesn't matter like how a dick he is of a president. No, he, this is part of, our, of, of the culture of free right. expression. I am. I was elected by you, so it's okay for you to make fun of. Right, me. right. We are the same person, except you're really handsome and, and uh, no, we, we cousin, we cousins, we cousins. Okay. So the years. So, so, so and, and 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 a lot of people. No matter how you think that the word hates America, 
they would still watch something like Stephen Colbert eviscerating George W. Bush and say, wow, I wish we can have this in our country. Right, right. You know, I so agree with you on that point. The fact that, I mean, it says so much about, I mean, you were talking before about the small men, the the Mm. small people. First of all, I say, you, you know, look, Trump wanted SNL investigated, you know, like you're a comedian. The fact if someone if someone made fun of me on SNL, I would be like, oh, my God, I made it. Oh, my God. Someone took the time to write a bit about me like that to me is such a badge of honor when a comedian thinks that you're important enough to, you know, use as 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 fodder for material. That is like really. And for the fact that this fucking guy is such a tiny little orange piece of fucking shit that, you know, he can't take a joke. He can't because you have to have self-awareness to be able to, you know, to laugh, you know, and admit that your fault, that you have faults in order to allow someone to to make fun of you. A lot of people don't understand, especially people who are like gravity toward authoritarianism that making fun of authority is actually the biggest compliment right. to that kind of authority. Because even the worst dictatorship in the world would like to show itself as a demo. Well, we have democracy. We, right. we have freedom, right? But they don't follow through by making people criticize and make fun of them. Right. So actually allowing people like to be, and this is what the Islamists and the military in Egypt didn't understand, that it's actually, it actually made them look good to be criticized and made fun of. And right. that's what someone that Trump that doesn't understand. It is actually like part of it because those people don't understand the idea of being a public servant. It's in the world. Right. Even if you are the president, yep. even if you are the strongest person in the world, you're still a public servant. You are serving the people who elected you, but they forget after getting the votes, they forget the servant part right. and they yep. be, and, 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 and they kind of like get into embody this kind of like strength and power and their, and their followers for some reason revel into that. And it's like, we want a strong man in order to, to kind of destroy the people that we don't like on the other side, the liberals, the Jews, the Muslims, the gays, whatever, you know, we want someone to take care of them and we don't have time for uh, a give and take in uh, that's just like that, that that's 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 not acceptable you know you say something that is couldn't be like i just gravitated towards this when you laugh at authority then authority can't control you yes when you when when you laugh at something you're not afraid of it anymore right and that's what uh, incompetent authority does. They want to be respected and fear. Fear. Because they have, because they have nothing else going on for them. Because, they, because authority- They don't have author- anything to back it up. Yeah. They have nothing else because they are corrupt and they're not doing their job. So they want you just to be afraid. No questions asked. So that's why uh, uh, dictatorship and, and religious uh, fanaticism is like two sides of the same coin. We want them 
to be to be afraid of us. That is the only way to keep masses in check. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Your show ended and there was, you know, it was scary for you, right? Uh, I, I mean, they're they're protesting. You said you feared for your family. You feared for your safety. You feared for the staff's safety. Yes. And I had to end the show because there was no point. I mean, and even I remember like John said, like, dude, I mean, it's your safety comes first. You don't have, it's, it, it, comedy should not be dangerous. It shouldn't be. Comedy should be a product of an evolved free society. Mm-hmm. Because when you have the freedom to laugh at things, <clears throat> you are basically liberating yourself from the boundaries and the borders that controls you. And, and, and the highest that you can go in comedy, the more free that society is. Yep. Making fun of religion is not a sign of disrespect. It's a sign of freedom because religion, like any kind of political systems, is an idea and ideas should be ridiculed and made fun of. And if your religion is that holy and divine, you shouldn't be worried. About right. Joke you shouldn't feel down. threatened by that. Like, it's like, oh, OK, shouldn't that's be, yeah. You shouldn't be threatened by that. And if right. you think that this will destroy religion, maybe you should leave it up to God to smite, so to smite me or something. You know, you shouldn't be the agent of God or our authority uh, uh, trying to kind of like oppress people. Right. You packed two bags. You got into your 2009 Nissan. By the way, you even though you were a star, you kept your car. Yeah, I kept my car. Yeah. All the producers in the show and kind of like became rich and they yeah. got their Mercedes and yeah. BMWs. I kept my Nissan. It's still there, by the way. When my, it's still my wife and kids, they go to Egypt. It's still there. Oh, Never that's changed. so Never amazing! I, I'm like, I had yeah. a yeah. I I I had a an '88 Honda Civic that my brother had given yeah. to me, and I got on a sitcom, yeah. and everyone was like, had these you know beautiful cars, and I had my little, and I loved it, you know. And also, I'm cheap. And also, so I'm, I'm partly Jewish. You don't yeah, know. you're a Jew. I'm telling you. So I am, baby. when you left, um, did you go by yourself and then your wife and daughter followed? Yes, that's true. So I went, I went I, uh, it was interesting because the way I left Egypt, there was a verdict against me. So the way that they get you in these kind of, they don't get you in, uh, on political issues. They get you on financial issues. They get you mm-hmm. on legal yeah, issues. Yeah, you owe so, them a hundred million dollars, right? Because yeah, so the, the, so exactly. So, so basically, the, the 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 network that canceled me, we went into court against each other because they canceled me. They didn't give me my money, so we went into court, and then suddenly. The tenth uh, of November, two thousand fourteen. My lawyer called me. Said, "Best, and we lost it. Like, how come we lost it? There was no way we lost it. They're the one who canceled me." I said, "Like, it's a political verdict. No one can actually control it." 
but now you owe them 100 million pounds and you need to leave right now because they're gonna use that as an excuse to put me in jail. So the verdict came out at 12 noon, five o'clock I was on a plane leaving the country and I never went back since then. And was your wife crying? I mean, oh, your poor wife. My wife was the coolest woman in the world. <laughs> she said, she was always making sure that I have enough underwear in the, in the, uh, I love uh, her. And, and I said like, and she was like, kept saying, are you forgetting something? Are you forgetting something? Right. And, and I, and I, and I stopped and said like, why are you so cool? And she said, well, at least you're leaving other people went to jail. So at least you're not going to be in jail. So, so she was like kind of, uh, uh rationalizing the whole thing. And I made sure to, uh, you know, get to back a bidet, a bidet because I knew that people in America don't have bidets. And they, yes. have, they consume too much toilet paper. I know. I, I got to get why, a bidet. And I don't, why don't you guys wash your asses? It's like, the, it's the, the, why you just don't wipe shit. You just have to it's wash it. all you're doing is spreading the fucking shit around your ass. Yeah, I, I mean, if you have shit on your hands, would you wipe it or would you fucking wash it? Right. So, exactly. I'm getting a bidet. So, that's it. You have to, you have uh, to, you have to. So, so I have to become to uh, come yeah. to America with a bidet. And, uh, that was the most important. <laughs> so funny. That is, that is the most Jewish thing you've said. I brought my bidet. Um, so bidet. when you, you flew, did you fly to Boston? Where did you fly to? Well, I flew first to Dubai. Right. And then from there I flew to, uh, uh, to San Francisco. How soon after did your wife and daughter come? Like three months. Okay. Was it, it must've been so hard. Did you know anyone here? I, I knew a couple of friends that, uh, and, and I stayed with them for a few months and then we moved to Los Angeles. And since uh -huh. then I've been living to Los Angeles and I have to tell you, I mean, it, the most difficult thing about America is getting things like health insurance, which is like, oh, I have please. no idea how to get it. That is like the stuff. So, but like, I have to say the transition to America, like living living condition wise was okay. It's trying to find a second start, trying to become someone that, that has a career in America. That was, that was difficult. That was, that was not easy at all. And I always had to struggle with the uncertainty. Would I make it? Would I, would I be able to do it? Would I be able to have, uh, a second, um, uh, revival of my career right. and uh, at some days when I would try to do performance or stand up in a, in a, in a, in a foreign language, I would go home crying yeah. because I didn't do so well and I would bomb so bad. And still today, I'm still having the same anxiety every time I take the stage. Right. I but still have, what would they get my jokes? Would I be able to perform? Would I forgot the words that are not my in native language, my native language? It was very, very difficult. Well, join the club. I mean, you have to bomb to be a great comedian. You can't, you know, that makes you so much better and stronger and fearless on stage. You have two kids now, Adam and Nadia. You have a beautiful wife. Unfortunately, your father died in a car accident, which do you think that was on purpose? No, 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 oh, I, would, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that. Well, okay. both of my parents died a, a year within each other. I'm sorry. And, uh, uh it, uh, I have to tell you, my parents dying was, uh, as devastating as it was, but it was a blessing in disguise for two reasons. So first of all, my mom, I told you she was one this very strong woman. 
And she died before the tide turns against me in Egypt politically. She dies like a few days before. Right. And she died in her sleep. And my oh, father that's died. that's the best. Yes. And my father died in a car accident. It was devastating. It was sudden. But also, they both, they didn't have to live long to see me having to escape. Right. And having to not to be able to go back or having like people turned against me. So right. they, they didn't see that. And also both of my grandparents, by my grandparents from both sides, you know, they had a very long, uh, slow death of like Alzheimer and diapers. Right. Yeah, and not the worst. Each other. Yeah. And I could, and I, and I saw my grandparents going through that and I couldn't imagine like how, how can I deal with it with my parents having to do if they, my, the same thing happened to my parents. So them dying so quick and so sudden, as bad as it was, all my memories I have for them as like strong, independent parents who didn't have to be independent on any other people. And yeah. I'm here in America. I don't have to worry about an ailing parent. Right. Having to go. Who you can't go see. Yeah, exactly. I know. So, it's just. So yeah, I, I always want to yeah. see like the positive side of it. Yeah. I had one parent drop dead and one parent long and I would definitely do the drop dead instead of yeah. the long drawn out. I think you are so fucking great and I really want to work with you. Okay. So that's number I one. I would love to work with you. I would, oh, I, I we, wanna... we have so much, uh, we, let, let, let's do a show together. Like a, a, a Muslim and a Jew. <laughs> yeah. A, a lazy. <laughs> Ostracized by their own communities. Right. And I'm gigantic and you're, you know, okay. And do you feel American? Like, do you feel like you, do you feel at home here? I feel at home here. I mean, feeling American. I mean, I feel at home in America. You don't have to feel American because what does American feel like? Right. Uh, I, I think we are a product of so many things and I don't think we should summarize or reduce it to just being one thing American. The right. good thing about this country is that you can be anything you want. And I think that right. is as American as it can be. Uh, many of the uh, ethnic comedians, I would call it ethnic comedians, meaning like people from coming from other, not white Americans and not white comedians, they always uh, make fun of the whole thing about like, where are you from? Right. It's like, oh, how, how dare they ask me where I'm from? Right, right. And I, th and I think where are you from is a valid question and people should ask it. And I think we should not get too riled up about being asked where we're from. I mean, because I will always assume it's a kind of a curiosity. If the second question is, what are you doing in this country? Why don't you go back? So they're fucking racist. But I think yeah, like where you're from assholes. is a valid question. And I, th and I saw, I see a lot of people, Mexicans, Arabs, Chinese, Japanese, whatever, get so offended by that question. And they will always want to say, oh, I'm from Chicago. I'm from New right. York. I'm from Los Angeles. Like, no, bitch, you're from China. You're from Iran. You are from 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 Egypt there is no shame about that because you insisting be, say it's like saying oh I'm American it means that you consider being Egyptian or an Arab as inferior to being American right. you are I am a, I am Egyptian American and many people are Chinese American and you should be proud of being that because America is the product of everything else and I think we should be proud of where we come from while still be proud right. of being American in the same time. Okay. Here's my question. We see the Fox news. We see the, you know, all these QAnon 
did they, did these people remind you of the radicals in Egypt and in the Middle East? A hundred percent. Yeah. Everything that QAnon and Fox News say, for example, let's say about something that is related to you, Jewish people, right? Yeah. For them, Jewish people is the enemy. Right. Back home, Jewish people are the, are the source of all the pain in the world. Right. The whole shit about like, you know, the, the protocols of the elders of Zion, the Freemasons, all okay. of that is the, whole, the same shit is being perpetrated and propagated where I come from. It's the same thing, you know, the same uh, war conspiracy and the, uh, and the secret Jew and the whole thing. I mean, I was called a secret Jew myself. I was called like an Israeli who had like a, a fake Egyptian passport who had to go in and infiltrate the Egyptian right. media scene in order to bring down the country through satire. So uh, I, it wasn't lost on them that like my idol is a Jewish guy, John right. Stewart, and they use that against me a lot. So yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Same shit. Same shit happens. Yeah. You, you're so fascinating. I love you so much. Um, all right. So I know that I don't want to take up more of your time, even though I could literally all day. Um, I want to come visit. I love you. Um, Let's do it. Come to Redondo Beach, where we live now in Los Angeles. Oh, I can't wait. All right. But you don't want to see me in a bathing suit. Um, so <laughs> I always ask my guests two final questions. Number one, what do you do for your mental health? You know, because we're very pro mental health. Like, do you meditate? Do you, you know, what do you do? I play sports. Yeah. Sports is my, exercise. Uh, is my therapy. Yeah. I exercise all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's one too. thing I do. What's your favorite sport? I like just going to the gym and pumping iron, baby. Yeah, baby. I know you have a really good body. You have a really. I'm, I'm yeah, trying. Really. I'm trying. And, and I'm it's also hot. being, I'm, I'm also vegan, which I, we, and I, I, read and about I tell people, I tell people I'm Arab and vegan, which makes me scary and annoying. <laughs> See, you're funny. It doesn't matter what language. Um, okay. My last question, the podcast is called kill me now because I get pissed off at like every day. I'm like, Oh my God, kill me now. I'm going to fucking kill myself. What pisses you off more than anything in the internet? Like what makes you fucking crazy mad? Instagram models who put huge essays on the butt photo, just put your butt photo and just go. <laughs> you don't need to explain it. You don't need to give, to give a, a, like a, a, some sort of a verification or a validation for the, your, your, your na half naked picture. Just yeah. put there, enjoy it. And just like, and just say, hi. <laughs> I know. I love when they, when they're like, don't objectify me, but here's my ass and my tits. As, uh, yes. And just yeah. like, love yourself and don't let anybody go down on you and just like use yeah. you as like, uh, I look at you as just like a naked body, but here's my naked body just to make a point. Uh. Well, boss, I can't thank you enough. Like this was one of my favorite podcasts I ever did. I think you are, you're so fucking smart and interesting and fucking funny and I can't get a special. And so I feel like we have that in common because I'm a woman over 50 and I'm apparently we're invisible. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I'm, I I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm 47. So yeah, but I wish you only the best and I really want to work with you. I have to share a stage with you. I have to let's, let, let's do it. Okay. Let's do what? Thank you so much for listening to part two of kill me now with Dr. Bassam Youssef. That's right. He is a doctor and a comedian. He's like everything. I love him. I love him. Anyway, Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. 
This podcast and my life would not be possible without the help of Brittany Jo Sowards. Now, if you like the show, I, I say this every week, just please leave a review and subscribe. Please give me five stars. Please, please, I beg you, um, buy my book. Yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. Go to my website, judygold.com. Everything is there to order the book, to see all this brilliant stuff about me. Follow me on Twitter and Instagrammy for everything I think, do, feel, and love. That's at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, you know, like Jew Gold. And this Friday night on FX, the new documentary Hysterical premieres where I am a part of this amazing, amazing doc about what it's like to be a female comedian. And it's great. And um, Andrea Nevins, Jessica Kirsten, who, ding, ding, where's my bill? Jessica's a good friend of mine. She was also on the podcast. Um, Andrea's a Jew. It's it's great. So check it out. It's on Friday night on FX. And then Saturday, the 3rd, it will be on Hulu for everyone. And also, I hope everyone's getting vaccinated. It's getting better. Mm, slowly but surely. Happy Easter. Zis and Pesach. Whatever you celebrate. Wear a mask. Hug your family. And thank you so much for listening. And as we always say, so long. Up, oh, they're coming to get me. Gotta run. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.